0: Reese. this is live with ryan reese call now one 564 6173 or post your questions using the hashtag live ryan reese on his instagram twitter
1: or facebook
2: what's up what's up family tonight we are not going to be taking any live calls because i have two special uh guests in studio some of my friends i met not too long ago but i've been hanging out with them and i think they're really rad people so I want to go ahead and welcome you guys. Hi, Brad Alden and his wife Danielle.
1: Hi. Hey Ryan,
2: <laughs> thanks for being on. Thank you. So, um, where you're from Hollywood, uh, California, and uh, right now you're currently move- working on like a music project, and uh, you work in the fashion industry in denim. Yes. So there's this whole story, and I, I just I don't want to start at that place. I want to start kind of at the beginning and work our way through it because. You do have a rad story on how you ended up finding God mm-hmm. and then how you met this beautiful lady next to you. Yeah. And that's when things got really cool, yes. according to her, which I believe it.
1: <laughs> of course.
2: <laughs> it happened to me, too. Honestly, like my life was not cool until I met my wife. I know, yeah, I've seen, seen your, your wife. wife. You married up.
0: high five from over here. Yes, exactly.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Shh, I fooled her. Oh, boy.
0: No. <laughs> and then triplets.
2: Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, my day has been great. You know, I was cleaning poop and pee and being at the park. It's been pretty awesome with the whole kit life. So awesome. it's great. So you guys got that to look forward to in the, in the oh, future.
1: Right. Exactly. That's working. Are you ready?
2: I'm going to pray you guys have triplets twice. <laughs> no, 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 don't do that. Six pack.
0: <laughs> you're worthy. We're
2: not. <laughs> no, I don't wish that on anyone. Six pack.
0: <laughs> that would be wild. All right. So, um, so anyway, so did you grow up out in Hollywood? No, uh, I was actually born in Ohio. I moved out to Hollywood to go to MI, Musicians Institute. I oh, went, yeah. Uh, at the same time Ray from Corn went there. Yes, yeah. yes.
2: So what happened? So you moved out here, you started going so, to, yeah. for music so, and...
0: Came out to go for music and I got uh, pretty wrapped up in the whole Hollywood scene. I didn't really know much about music at all, uh, business of music. Yeah, and uh, you were just like, I want to go play music and and rock stages for a living. I just thought if you look cool and you are cool and you can play some music, that somebody will say, "I'm gonna, you're gonna make it." But I didn't even know what making it really meant, right? Yeah. So so I did everything. Probably you shouldn't. Got involved with drugs. Got involved with uh, too many women and uh, a lot of tough stories. Yeah. You know, I want you to add a little bit.
2: Because um, there are a lot of musicians that listen to the show,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so there's probably a lot of guys that are trying to make it right now and 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 do music. What what do you have any do you have any words or advice for someone that might be in that place right now where they're like oh, I'm I'm moving to LA and I'm going to make
0: it? Well, first of all, you you have to understand what it, what does it mean to make it to you, right? Yeah. So for me, what it means to make it was completely different than what I thought it was when I was maybe in my twenties, but. um, uh, you want me to answer what I thought back then or what I think now? Both. What? I th- okay. So back then, I thought that, like I said, if you were just a cool guy and you, you, you were at the right parties with all the right people and did the right drugs, that, um, you know, you might, somebody will think you're awesome and they'll sign you and you'll make it. Um, but what I know now is that, uh, signing a deal usually means you, you owe somebody a loan and, um, you really should learn – you should learn just as much about business as you as you know about music. That would be my advice now. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I would agree. I've talked to a lot of musicians that, that they just want to go rock stages for a living and then they sign this huge contract and then they realize they didn't really negotiate the right deal and they're stuck barely making any money. Yeah. And they're touring 10 days a week and lonely. no vacations and – Just very, very tough. So, yeah, you need to know both things. So you came, obviously, and started hanging out, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, hanging
0: out with the right people. But what happened? Um, Well, I eventually started uh, dating a Playboy model, Mm -hmm. and she got pregnant. That was a
2: bad idea.
0: (laughs) Felt good at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Seemed like the right thing to do. But, yeah. So... Uh, didn't have God in my life at the time mm-hmm. uh, was very into the world and what the world had to offer and uh, she got pregnant mm-hmm. um, I have a really great story about uh, my daughter who was that awesome, awesome for pregnant person yep and um, but but that was um, a lot of years of of uh, what would I say struggling yeah trying to make it in a relationship when i didn't know what I was doing and Um, Neither one of us had God in the middle of our relationship, and I think my kids – there's two now – kind of paid the price for that as well, fast-forwarding, yeah. Did you – what was your, like, uh, opinion on God? Were you agnostic or atheist or – I was raised Catholic, but – so I I knew – I, did, uh, I was baptized when I was young, mm-hmm. and I did catechism and First Communion, and I uh, probably went to church twice a year, but I didn't understand a relationship with God at all. So for me, it was something to get around. Um, yeah. You go twice a year, you do you know move your hands a certain yeah. way, and then whatever. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it sounds like kind of similar to my wife. like she grew up Catholic, was
2: baptized when you know, she was young by the, by the Catholic Church, and she never had a pro- problem with God. She said, "I, I always love God, but like no one ever came alongside and kind of like connected the dots to the Holy Spirit, to a relationship. It's more than just twice a twice a year. It's like a you know a daily reading and praying. So she's always loved God, but
0: she just never had that connection. That's kind of sounds like where you were at. Yep, yeah, same thing. I yeah. it was literally just something that we sort of had to do. I wasn't against God. I didn't have a problem with him. Yeah. I would even." Pray and whatever I knew as as prayer at that time, but I, I really never knew a relationship with God. I, I uh, you know I saw a, a dead Jesus on a cross, mm-hmm. and I and I didn't know a relationship with a living God like the kind of joy and um, things I've experienced since. Uh, yeah, just out of the gates. If there's
2: someone that's been in Catholicism for a long time, maybe they're listening right now, and they're like, mm-hmm. "This dude sounds like me." What would you say to them just off your hip right now where they're at? Uh,
0: You know, I want to be careful not to sound critical of Catholics. But for me, I I just didn't I didn't understand a relationship with God. So I would say if you have the opportunity and you're willing to um, talk to somebody or, or pray with somebody that could show you. Um, talk to you more about the living God and, and a relationship with God and, and accepting him into your life and talking to him like your best friend and not not a, a sort of a pre written protocol that, that you may not necessarily feel in your heart or or welcome his Holy Spirit into your into your life. Right.
2: Well it's the same thing. It's like it could be just like a Christian though. Like I've met Catholics that have the Holy Spirit and they like to go to Catholic church because they like the routine of the Catholicism kind of thing and they know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but then there's a lot that you know They they pray to Mary and they don't they don't even have a relationship They just kind of they go twice a year then you can look at Christians that call themselves Christians But yet they don't read the Bible. They have no relationship mm-hmm. and they're in the same boat So it all comes down to at the end of the day is that it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that he is God and He is filled with the Holy Spirit and he's the one that we that we pray to. And I think that's the most important thing. Like with you and my wife, it's the same thing. It's like she just once she got connected to the Holy Spirit, she's like, man, how come no one ever told me about this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, it's like they say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but they never talk about the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. in our life. And you will know when it happens because your whole life will be transformed. Okay, so you, you grew up like that and um, you're pursuing music. And then you, you – uh, did you get married to this girl at I this did. time?
0: I did. And I then you didn't I, work uh, out. Well, yeah, I would say about 10 years ago, the wheels fell completely off, infidelities uh, both ways, and um, ended up in a really ugly divorce. My kids were young, and, and it was super difficult. And I th- I think the biggest pain I felt at that time was not knowing how to protect them from that. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't – stop arguing with their mother. I couldn't stop um, just just the mess that I knew I created, and I didn't know how. And, um, But actually, the, the wheels falling off of that relationship was the beginning of actually learning how to live. Mm-hmm.
2: So during that process, um, what was it that ended up leading you?
0: Were, you? were you doing music at this time, or were you already involved with the denim stuff? So... I, I right out of high school. I toured and played music uh, for a living, and then I went, I moved out to MI in my early twenties and um, tried to kind of pursue uh, a career in Hollywood. But uh, most musicians who know Hollywood know that uh, you don't make a lot of money <laughs> playing around in Hollywood. No. <laughs> but uh, so when my daughter was born, I got introduced to someone who invented stone washing, and I and I got into. Working at an industrial laundry, and I fell in love with it because uh, the technical and creative thing is really similar to what musicians seem to thrive on. Mm -hmm. So um, I did really well at it, and I liked it. And And this is all denim for people that don't understand the yeah denim like jeans yeah Uh and I was in the laundry where they process them and make them look cool and change the color and do all the fun stuff. Um, And that provided a lot of stability for my daughter, health insurance, and so I did for there were several years where I stopped doing music altogether actually. And I focused on that and built kind of, I ended up becoming a known as an expert in the industry. Actually, it was something I didn't expect to happen, but um, I really excelled in that environment. And um, so when the divorce happened, I I had just started to, so I moved away, moved to New York for seven years, moved back to LA, um, was working with a company, uh, developing denim, selling denim, and I got involved in a band again after several years. A friend of mine was a bass player in Dio, if you remember yep. Dio's band. Yep. Uh, a guy named Larry Dennison, and he's still my friend. And, and then, uh, him and a guy named Tracy G, who had also been with Dio and Ray Luzier, who's in corn right now. Yeah. We started a band called Epic. No, way. <laughs> that's epic. It was epic. <laughs> exactly. Right. And <Yeah>. boom. Um, <laughs> And so that was fun, but it didn't really. It didn't really. Uh, Ray was too busy to spend more than five minutes with any of us, and he was in David Lee Ross band at the time, and he eventually went on the Corn, as you know. Yes, yes. Um, so I did that for a bit, and um, in the middle of that, and working for this denim company, the the uh, marriage fell apart. So right in. Yeah. That. So now you're.
2: I mean, you're when you're working in this whole denim company, you're, you're making a good life for yourself right? Things are changing. You're, you're struggling with marriage, like breaking up with the marriage You're raising your kids. What was the point to where you decided to where you, I guess more or less where
0: you encountered God and everything started changing in your life? Well, my, uh, my wife at the time had started a Facebook relationship with a high school boyfriend back in Florida. And so she was having this affair of the heart online and doing a bunch of stuff. And, um, She moved away and it was a really nasty divorce. I'll just spare all the ugly stuff, but I was really hurting because my, uh, the only family I knew at the time had, uh, broken up. My kids moved away. They were hearing all this awful stuff from their mom that wasn't necessarily true, but, but that's their mom, right? They're, they're going to just listen to what they hear. And they were young. They were like, uh, eight and, and 12 years old at the time. So really vulnerable ages. Um, and, uh, I had an, I have an older brother named Jeff who was, uh, tw- he, same brother who introduced me to being a DJ at strip clubs once upon a time. Was it? That's right. You were a DJ at a strip club too. And, uh, and a mud wrestling referee. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> That's the kicker. Okay.
0: <laughs> my wife doesn't mind these stories. Okay. So you were a
2: referee for mud wrestling in LA at that place Truppetana. off of the 101 Tropicana. Is that, does that still exist? I don't that. think so. I hope not. <laughs> so now, when they, because uh, you, you, I remember
0: you tell them a little story about that. So how'd you get the job? It was like a quick, like, okay, we're backing up, we're digressing so, so, a little into the Hollywood thing, but uh, okay, but I, I had, I had a car accident, and and my, bro, I had a bunch of debt, and my brother said, hey man, he was thriving in Atlanta. He was like the top DJ at all the strip joints yeah. there, and he he was the king of that world for one one point in his life, and he said, I know this guy in L.A. named Dennis, and he he can give you a job just just call him and 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 he'll he'll set you up so the guy called the guy and i was really naive i'd never been to a strip club i never knew anything about it certainly a mud wrestling place yes and i call the guy and he says you know what bring a whistle and go get a referee shirt and i'll see you at 10 o'clock right and i go okay oh i'm like well, i don't know anything about sports dude so what were you
2: <laughs> what were you thinking at that moment when you're like, get the wisdom. <laughs> <and> go <there. laughs> hey, we're going to go back, but this is a funny, this is a funny moment. It is. Wait,
0: so what were you thinking? We were you like, dude, I, all right, well, I just, I'll just go. I was just, well, I needed money, so I trusted my brother. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I, I showed up and I still didn't know what it was, right? Yeah. And, and so he's like, well, you're going to follow this girl around tonight and, and, uh, keep guys hands off of her and i became a referee for mud wrestling And that was it and the rest is ex- explanatory rest okay is disaster
2: i wow. uh, exactly okay so let's go back ahead i had to hear that story for the thank you listeners it's it's you don't ever hear that? No, I've heard what I thought it, so I heard it times all
1: and it still cracks me up. Yeah. I
2: mean, come on. That's amazing. You can't make that stuff up. Only in Hollywood, though. But right.
0: it led to a lot of other bad things. Oh, like, I bet. You know, with meth and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. all that
2: scene in, around there. It's just crazy. Nothing but uh, chaos in that whole industry. I have a lot of friends that were uh, strippers and, and dated strippers, and I got involved with the stripper, too. Just a lot of just chaos in that that whole world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: as we were saying before... So okay, how I came to the Lord is yep. is uh, an interesting story. So that same guy, the reason I brought that up, is he had um gone through a divorce and was a born again Christian and living in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he would talk about Jesus all the time and I was like, dude, stop talking about Jesus. Like I, I he sounded like a lunatic and I I was just so tired of every conversation. I mean, he was a new Christian, so he was super excited. Oh, you know? super pumped. Probably huh? yeah. probably too much uh, because I would just not even hear it at some point. But anyway, I was really broken, um, super sad. My kids moved away. I'm sitting in my house alone uh, crying and stuff. And then he, he's like, you know, do me a favor. My pastor in Ohio knows a guy in Arizona named Tommy Barnett. And his son, Matthew, has a really cool church in L.A. They have really good music, I heard. So that was the bait, music. Right. So I said, all right, man, I'll, I'll go. My son's going to be visiting me for the weekend next week. I went there. He was 9 or 10 years old, and I took him with me mostly. Out. He was like a crutch for me, to be honest. I was a little nervous, and I had in my mind I thought everybody would you know, ask me to do the normal Catholic move and ask me for money, and I, I sort of had that bad attitude about it. But I went in there and I met this guy and he was a super bubbly, joyful guy. Wacky, it seemed at the time, actually. If you know Matthew Barnett, he's a hoot. He's, he's an awesome guy. But at the time, he was a lot. So uh, this
2: place is called the Dream Center. The Dream Center in Los Angeles. Angeles downtown. And it's
0: an incredible place that I'd be happy to talk a lot about. Um, but he took me in the green room and I guess his pastor had called ahead saying, hey, this guy's a friend of a friend. He, he took me um, in the green room, and then he walked me out to the sanctuary, and I had never seen anything like it. It was like a room full of 3,000 people. Uh, the music was super loud and rad, and there were cool people, and they weren't, like, dressed in nerd suits, singing hymns. They were, like, rocking out, and they, they looked cool, and they were really talented. And I looked around the room, and I saw, like, black people, white people, yellow people. There was a drunk guy, a famous guy, a homeless dude, everything. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, okay, I don't feel like I got full sleeves tattoos and yeah. I didn't feel like anyone was looking at me. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And that day that guy gave a message uh, titled, there's life after giving up. And I was with Perfect my son, timing. super sad. And it felt like during his sermon, and I'm not joking, it felt like the room disappeared and it was like this channel around his words to my ears. And I'm like, what is happening here? It was such a incredible experience. And then... At the end they had an invitation or an altar call and I didn't even know what that was. I'd mm-hmm. never seen that. And um, when they asked if anyone wanted to give their lives to the Lord, my, my son raised his hand. We were we were both heads down and he lifted up his hand and we both just started sobbing and that was Dude, that was man. the beginning yeah, that was the beginning it's of a so thing, amazing, man. It was super powerful moment that I'm I'll never forget. And then there's more as far as how I got involved with the worship, but that was the first the beginning of a of a new day. So your kid gives his life to the Lord. You give your life to the Lord. And
2: what, what was the process after that? Because they're still, you're still dealing with the ex-wife. You're in LA. Were you struggling with drugs and alcohol at this time? Or no. you, were you sober? You
0: were no, just... I was sober. Um, um, it was mostly just a hardship financially and, and really, really sad with my kids and confused and, um, that kind of stuff. So um, what happened after that was there were some really amazing people that were in the worship team that were, found out I was a musician. And they were super uh, generous and inclusive. And they just introduced themselves and asked me to come back the next week and sit in on a tune. And eventually the pastor was so rad. I'll never forget this. It, it's part of why I'm so inclusive now when we go do things is because he, he literally had me go up and sing a non-Christian song in front of two, 3,000 people. Um, I guess he felt a call from the Lord to to do that. I, I called my brother in Ohio and told him what happened. He's like, no, he didn't he, nobody would do that yeah and he did and and it but it was that process. it was that environment that that God knew is where he would reach me, you know mm-hmm. so so you know i'm I'm jumping around, but we have a song out right now called Lord of all and part of that song is God meeting you right where you're at so so it was amazing that all of those things lined up for such a time as that that God would. Use the love of my son and and my passion for music and and put something in another person to to, to reach out to me in such a way that to forever changed my life. So I'm I'm leaving out some details, but that's the yeah. general big story. You know that's that's so
2: amazing because there's a lot of uh you know people can get saved and they you know when you walk into church like you were saying earlier like you first get saved you feel like a black sheep or you know you feel like you're not going to fit in and even if you do look the same as some people you still feel like an outcast yeah and um you know you lose a lot of you can lose a lot of people there if if the church and people that aren't that are around aren't there to just grab those those unique people that are about to walk out yeah and that's what happened god just reached out his hand to these dudes and said hey come on play a song and that just sealed the deal with saying you know what this is my home here i am and then god continued To work. You know, it's funny because we're here at Calvary Chapel, uh, Costa Mesa, where the whole uh, hippie movement revival broke out. And, um, you know, these hippies would get saved. These musicians would get saved. And then they would come into church and they just gave their life to the Lord. And Chuck Smith would actually have them come up and play their songs. Or they would just write a song. Yeah, right here. This right here at the hub, just right one block over. But that's what was happening. Then these kids, like, even like the leadership are like, These guys, the girls aren't wearing bras. They're all, they're all, all the guys and girls are bare feet. They haven't taken showers in weeks or a bunch of dirt bags. And they're like, we, we don't want them to come into the mess up the, the shag carpet. And Chuck goes, well, rip the carpet out. Then we, we ripped the carpet out. So all these burnt hippies could come in and that just birthed all the music. And they were, these guys were just getting saved and come and play music. It was just like exactly that moment that you had, what was, was happening. And I don't see it happening these days, you know? It's, not uh, it's, right? it, that's just God's, yeah, not as much, but that's just, uh, that's just God's grace. Yeah. So rad. And now, years later, you know, I know we're going to get to the story, but you got a, you just, um, did a record deal with, um, Sony Music. You got some songs out, you got a single. God is using you in an amazing way because yeah. this pastor at this church, Dream Center, just took a risk. Exactly. Took a chance, yep. led by the Holy Spirit and played a secular song on the stage. And now, look, Taking that risk with that is birth, Absolutely. and I hope that's just encouraging to the leaders out there, the pastors right now that might be hearing it. It's encouraging to me,
0: you know. If we're led by the Spirit and God tells us to take risk, we got to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? I think I think churches get worried about the the protocol and the numbers and the mm-hmm. playing it safe and not yeah. lose anybody. Yes. So I really admire uh, when someone will do that, follow the Holy Spirit nudge and. Uh, it changes people, man. and that's
2: that's the key. It's just led by the spirit. You just don't want right. to throw people up there because there there is a lot of things that that operate in in the church, and you don't want something to go wrong. You know, there are crazy people that could pop in. You know, <laughs> exactly.
0: no, it's true. I mean, you have to look out for everybody's.
2: Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Okay, so you're listening to live with Ryan Reese. I have Brad and his wife Danielle in studio. And uh we do have about ten minutes before the break, so how did you meet her? <laughs> I love this story. Do you want to tell it? Well, how that? did you meet him?
1: Yes. <laughs> well, you tell it much better. I'll chime in.
0: Are you sure? Okay. Yeah, you start okay. your story and I'll Just, chime in. So go so, for it, It's all good. So when I got the, the, the worship fire, I would I would serve anywhere and everywhere. It didn't matter if it was a home group of two people, a room full of three thousand, uh whatever any a halfway house a prison ministry i just wanted to serve all of a sudden i was infected with it and um i had done my first christian album self-produced album and we did a concert and there was a guy that came that invited me he was launching a church in long beach planning a church they didn't have a lot of money and he said hey man would you would you help us and lead this night of worship we're going to have like 10 pastors give a devotional like two hours of music and i was like heck yeah And um, he said, I don't have a lot of money, but I do have some volunteers that want to help out. And one of them is my daughter. I didn't tell you, Ryan, my story of my daughter, but my daughter was like 13, 14 years old and came back and lived with me after Mm -hmm. six months apart. That's another cool part of the story. But um, so when he said that, this pastor said my daughter would like to be one of the backup singers. I thought, oh, cool. I thought of my daughter. I love kids. You know, it'd be great if your daughter came and sang. And then. All these people showed up, like twelve people in the band, singers, a band, whatever. And then, so we're getting into our rehearsal, and then all of a sudden, somebody shows up late. <laughs>
1: so uh, out of character. For so. you. <laughs> <laughs> you show up late. Yeah. Okay. Well, my story is <laughs> and, before and, and, you keep going. Okay, wait. Okay, okay. Is I so I owned my own business at the time. I owned a gym, and oh, cool. I was a trainer, and I was working like seven days a week, like you know, doing crazy hours. And, you know, my dad's like, hey, will you come sing for this night? And he sent me like 14 songs to learn, you know, and um, I knew like half of them, the other half were new. And so it was just a lot going on. And then that day I'm like running late from work and then I'm trying to learn some of the songs in the car on the way because I'm in like two hours of traffic, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that that was my hectic story. And then I show up, yeah, late. Everyone's looking at me. So so
0: then what happens? She walks in. She walks in and she was the last one there. She said, hi, I'm Danielle. And I was like, whoa, like super distracted. And I immediately was like, wow, she's good looking. And then I thought, focus, focus. We're at church. (laughs) Huh? Exactly. And then we're at church. We don't don't look at her. But true story. uh, Somebody came up like two minutes after that and said, hey, let me take you guys picture. I feel like I'm taking your future wedding picture. And, And yeah and we were both like whoa that's kind of weird yeah. i was like oh. no you were like yes I was so she was she was like, like weirdo I was like, I was like what's wrong with this guy i'm like he's a great guy <laughs> but anyway I, I, then that same guy said i go who is this girl and he said well that's the pastor's daughter and i, I go i think she, i think she's like 22 years old and i'm like oh no she's too young you know i was already in my 40s and uh and then at the end of the night, uh, we passed emails, and her her birthday was in her email, and I realized, I did the math, and I'm like, wait, she's in her 30s. I'm like, this could work. <laughs> so a week later, we had a date, uh, had dinner. That following Sunday, church, she went with me to Angela's Temple. Um, mm-hmm. A year later, we were married. Yeah. Okay, but I want to hear from your
2: side. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: <laughs> so... What you happened? seen him? He's stoked that you're taking a
0: picture together, but you're looking at him saying, "Well, you got to remember, she well, had like five guys pursuing her at the time, right? This, yeah, this is a, a <laughs> hot. I was topic in a different right
1: situation. <laughs> I know, I've never been married or anything, but I was definitely on the prowl, like looking yeah. for my husband. You know, for sure. And um, no, I thought he was attractive, and you know. I saw something and she was into all sports
0: dudes though, like buff guys, well, yeah, oh, jocks, so. so, like a every, scrawny, every like, guy, musician guy, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> covered in tattoos. Yeah, every guy I dated
1: prior <laughs> to him was like some big muscle dude that like plays football or something, you know. So, um, so yeah. So, and I thought he was great. And then I realized some of the songs that we sang that night were actually his originals, you know. So that was cool. And so I was listening to a CD on my way back home to Pasadena, and then. I was like, who is this guy? And then I Googled him and, or he had like a website or something and it said he was divorced with two kids. And you're I was like, he's like, out of here. Out. Yeah. She yeah. did. But I mean, I'm like, he's nice, but I don't want wasn't someone on divorced the list. with two I know, kids. I know. Like, You've I, you never know.
0: been married? You know, it's,
1: right. You know, got
0: it. but she was imagining but, babies like, but my kids were already teenagers. Yeah.
1: I was nervous. I was thinking they were like five <laughs> years old. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. But, yeah. but they were older. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: So what happened?
1: Well so basically he Couldn't help
2: her some. I, yeah. She kept Googling, kept kept, kept stalking Instagram, Twitter. Right, right,
1: right. What
2: else does he have? I know. Right? What other social handles?
1: Um no, he was just, you know, smooth, you know. <laughs> no. Um what attracted me the most is okay, I've dated Christian guys um and everything. And this is good. <laughs> no no no. I'm serious, um, I like
0: this part of her story.
1: You know, I'm a pastor's kid, so my yeah. entire life's been like on the hunt for like the Christian guy. You know, so
0: and you
2: could you you've seen it all. Be raised in a church, you have yes. a whole different angle, yes. and a pastor's wife. That, I do. That's pretty interesting. And
1: yeah, and so I've dated a lot of guys who said they were Christians but really weren't. You know, they just didn't have a relationship with God or anything. And then I've dated guys that just weren't a Christian at all, but I couldn't. You know, I thought they were so hot, I couldn't.
0: But they said they'd go to know, church. They
1: said they would go to church and all these promises and stuff, and that never happened. And finally, I'm like, I am not dating anyone unless they are on fire for the Lord. Hold that period. thought.
2: Because we're going to be going to break okay. in a few seconds. And that is true. There's a lot of people that say that they're Christians. Mm-hmm. And they say they, they could talk the talk. They could quote the scriptures. They, could walk, they, they can't walk the walk. They just pretend they're posing to be something. And I've seen a lot of girls and guys get sucked up at the wrong people yep. and end up in very bad situations you might be listening right now and you might be in the situation when we come back from the break we're going to hear the real deal story on how she found a godly man peace <laughs>
0: More Live with Ryan Reese coming up. everything all right? Call now, one 564 6173 Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say whoop you do." Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say what I want, you. Yeah.
2: We are back with Brad Alden and his beautiful wife Danielle. They actually just uh, released a single on off of
0: Sony Music, Lord with, of All. Lord of All. Where can people find it? It's just um any digital platform, um BradAlden.com is our website, at the Brad Alden Instagram, but uh, it's it's available everywhere digital. You can't miss it. There's a video. Uh, There's a
1: video, music video on Vivo.
0: My wife was talking about it today. Oh really? You heard you guys? She's like, "Yeah, they have
2: a video on the whole thing." She's stoked nice. on you guys. Thank <laughs> you. I haven't seen it. I'm going to go home and watch it tonight, or we'll watch it after. Okay. Okay, so listen. Before the break, we were talking about um, how you were looking for a man. You are <laughs> a pastor's daughter. Yes. So you've seen it all. You were uh, There's a couple different guys approaching you, but you wanted a golly guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And as you were digging around or meeting with different guys, there would be different kind of guys in the church that would – Say that they were Christians, imposters, yep. imposters, posers, <laughs> imposters, and posers. Hey, you got you have a lot to say about that subject. Yeah. Why don't you speak some um, life into the listeners that might be going through these situations, or maybe they have a man or a woman that is trying to date them and they have these imposters
1: mm-hmm. that are
2: just lurking?
1: <laughs> yes. Um. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm not perfect, so no, I I've made a lot of mistakes and everything, so um. But the main thing is, you know, I've always loved the Lord from when I was young and I always wanted a godly man like my own father, actually. And um, my parents always had this loving relationship where they loved the Lord first and then each other, you know, and then us. And I always saw that modeled my entire life still till this day. Um But, you know, it's hard sometimes, right? Because, you know. Any age you are, you're trying to find the right person, and how do you find them? You know, you do online dating. You see them, you know, at church or you see them at school or bar or whatever it is. Um, so I feel like, you know, a, yeah, a lot of times guys would tell me certain things, you know, because either one, they really thought they were a Christian, mm-hmm. or they would say they are a Christian, not really knowing that means what that means, or just, say, just saying or doing anything, you know, to. Make it happen. And I was in um, a few really serious relationships with guys that were Christians, but it started out with, yes, I believe everything that you say. I believe what the Bible says about like, you know, not having sex before you're married. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the biggest one, obviously, when it comes to relationship, things like that. And then as time would go by, it would be the opposite. It would be like, oh, well, we love each other. Oh, well, we want to get married. God loves us. We go to church every Sunday. Right. you know it, it's not that big a deal if we have sex, so because we're in love, right. and so yeah, I fell into that trap. I'm not saying it was just him, but it the falling into was you start falling emotionally with someone which leads to the physical yeah, and it should have been from the very beginning I was a lot I should have been a lot more um like uh, what's the word? determined to make sure this person was on fire for the Lord mm-hmm. and really wanted to live a life for Jesus versus just believed in God. You There's have a, a huge you have a phrase difference. You yeah, so the phrase that I s- feel like I've learned from my own life is don't date potential. And what I mean by that is you're always trying to see potential in a human being, and that's not a bad thing. But it is bad when it comes to the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. I don't, I'm not talking about compromising like on choosing your favorite restaurant. I'm talking about don't say, well, this guy's so nice and, you know, he goes to church on certain times and blah, blah, blah. Maybe I can lead him there, you know, like missionary dating. Yeah, yeah, missionary. Or, you know, or maybe, you know, he, he has all the potential in the world to be a man after God. Like, that's what I would think because I just liked the person so much. And I'm telling you, I went through a lot of heartache. I was engaged before and I had to break it off after seven years of dating, getting engaged and going, what am I doing? And then I was in a couple other serious relationships, like three, four year relationships where you're talking about marriage. And then I'm having premarital sex and I'm pulled myself out of church worship and stuff going and every day you're like, Lord, I'm sorry. If, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And then you keep going back to it mm-hmm. and you're not getting out of the relationship. Yeah. And it wasn't until I'm like, I have to get out of this relationship that I realized this person was awful for me anyway. Yeah. And I was probably awful for them because I'm a wishy-washy Christian. Mm-hmm. So I learned all of that stuff. So when I met Brad, I was at a point where I was 32, I believe. And I was like... I am sick of myself, actually. I'm sick of, (laughs) like, you know, I'm a very independent person, but I've always wanted to be married. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm one of those people that is really independent, but I do crave having a relationship. And so I would be like, I am not going to do this again. I am not going to compromise. I'm not going to try to find the potential when it comes to loving the Lord. Mm -hmm. There is a huge difference. I'm not talking about potential, like, will he work out or not, you know? Yeah. So, so that's when it came. So when I first met him, that's all he talked about. He didn't, he didn't ask me dumb questions or compliment my looks. He said, you know, what do you think about the Lord? What do you think about Jesus? Do you want to come to church? This is my story. This is where I'm at. This, is, And it was totally different. And even though I was still like, he's divorced with two kids you know, I still saw these things in the, in him and they were genuine. And I knew that I could have, I started to learn that I could have, you know, an actual relationship where God is first from both of us, not just me.
2: Yeah. You, of know? you trying to lead the way
1: mm-hmm.
2: has to be a, a two, mm-hmm. two together, yeah. like minded for sure.
1: And then all the other things that were on your checklist, you start to see how Minimal they really are Mm -hmm. when that outshines them all, Mm -hmm. you know, good stuff. So
0: and with For for me to have that blessing to to be her husband Mm -hmm. uh, coming from a son of an alcoholic drug addiction in my 20s Womanizer uh, because that's how I was raised that, that that women were a sport almost to then getting completely rewired falling in love with Jesus and then Someone probably hotter than I've ever had in my secular pursuits of strippers and Playboy bunnies or whatever. That's that's all fake. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I mean, God is good, and and I feel like in my story, in my little in my little capsule of of faith, um, as soon as I put Him first and lived a palms down life, like what can I do to serve, and a uh, uh, so many blessings, so many blessings, and she's one of the big ones.
2: Yes.
1: Just to add one more thing, um, just to go back to, if anyone else is struggling with what I was talking about, um, the biggest line that is the biggest lie and deceit, and it has been for me is, um, convincing yourself that the physical is, well, God will forgive me because he knows I love him and I'm trying to work it out. Yes, God will forgive you and he does love you. But there's a reason why he talks about it, because it messes up a lot of things that you don't even realize. And people do not want to admit that. I wouldn't have been in a four-year relationship or engaged if I wasn't emotionally and mentally messed up because of all the physical stuff. You know what I'm saying? So you can justify it all you want. Well, love this person, whatever, you know, had nothing to do with that. It did, because if that wasn't there, I, my mind would have been so much more clear, yeah. and I would have broken that off in six months and not wasted my life with different people and their life. Because these aren't bad people I'm talking about, you know?
2: Think about even when, Brad, when you weren't a Christian and when I wasn't a Christian, there was girls that you were hooking up with, the ones that you were sleeping with, that you knew were complete nightmares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, I was a nightmare, too, because I'm not saying I wasn't. I'm just saying, <laughs> but for for the girls' sake— There's these girls that were complete nightmares and you knew, even not as a Christian, you were like, this girl is horrible for me, Mm -hmm. but because you were sleeping with her, you kept going back to her.
1: Yep. Yep. Just one more time. And it was
2: always (laughs) chaos. I could tell you stories of jail, of cops, Mm -hmm. of broken windows, keyed cars, just from one girl. And, and I was like, this girl is no good, but yet the sex was there. Yep. Yeah, and I kept going back because it was all about the sex.
1: Right, and the only—I mean, when I was engaged—that yeah, works
0: with Christians too. Well, there's saying, much worse, you know. Yeah, well, when too, I was like engaged and things at like that. a young
1: yeah. age, I like literally was like straight laced. Like I didn't—I never even smelled weed. Yeah, or okay. a cigarette. Like I did i would never been. I was just so
0: we were so different.
1: I was like, <laughs> I was like the student council person at school, you know, and yeah. I went to a Bible college, so. But with, with that guy, suddenly I found myself doing drugs and stuff, which is why I, and then I had Arlie's nightmares and I knew God was trying to speak to me. And yeah. anyway, those are long stories that, but show my, two. there's so much more, <laughs> yeah. you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's, it's, uh, it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my, my, my wife actually talks about this too. She says, women need a godly man mm-hmm. to lead them because yeah. if not, the man The man was created first and then he was, God knew that he couldn't be alone. So he created Eve to come alongside the man is to, to lead the way. The man can lead the woman in any direction. Mm -hmm. Just like you, you are the straight laced, you get hooked up the wrong guy. And the next, you know, you're doing drugs. Like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Why? Because they need to be a godly man. Yep. You know, we're not perfect. None of us Mm -hmm. men are perfect. Don't. For the listeners, we are not perfect, but if you are following Jesus Christ, he is perfect and he will lead you and guide you, and it's never too late to turn your whole life around. Mm-hmm. Brad's right. sitting across from me, myself, hey, if God can do it in our lives, he can do it in your guys' life. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you find him. Mm-hmm. He pops the question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And well, then she we'll... didn't say yes, right? Away. Oh no. Okay. It was, this is a great part. I have, I don't know if we have time, but we, we have about uh, ten minutes left. Ten minutes? Maybe a little bit less. Okay. So just f- the cool thing was like this is how I wasn't worried about it. Is like I I asked her to do life with me. Wait, wait, hold on. As you
2: say this, how do you know? Because this is what people are going to be asking the listeners right now. How did you know that she and he was the one? Man. How do you know God? God was like this is the guy for you, and how do you know mm-hmm. God said this is the girl for you? Because a lot of people are dating, and they're like, well, how do you know if this is the right one? Mm-hmm. That's always the question.
0: I mean, I you want to go first? Go
1: ahead. You can
0: go. First. I feel like, uh, it, for one, it was really unique. That, that it wasn't on Match.com or, or at a bar or anything like that. I, I met her serving, so it was an incredibly pure way to meet someone. We both were volunteering that night to serve. And so that was kind of unique and special to meet her. I wasn't looking for a date. I wasn't looking for a girl. And although I prayed about it, I learned, you know, yeah. in my single life after divorce to to pray for my future wife. She's out there. And now I know for sure she's out there looking for you, too. She's yep. praying. And so but I learned to pray specifically for her. God, like uh, I want to pray for whoever I don't know yet that's looking for a husband that you've designed to be my wife, that you'll introduce us at the right time. So it i never would have believed that you know like when you meet someone but i did know something was different like when i met her there was a spark that went off and it wasn't just that she's hot you know it was like no there's a light that i see and i hopefully she saw the same light but but i feel like we had different goggles at that time because i was so focused on worship and She literally had, I think, three different guys pursuing her and her life was kind of crazy, but she was seeking God. And and so um, for me, I I feel like I knew more clearly and quickly than her. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I asked her to marry me, I I, again, I had to remember that even if she rejected me, like um, if if I like I have to love her like a sister in Christ as well, and if I can't what God's best for her then I'm not really good enough to be her husband anyway. So mm. that was a, a level of maturity I had never had before, that I could pray God's best for her, even if it's not me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I kind of released it. And she said, when I asked her, she goes, um, well, like, first of all, she said, like, for real, for real? I go, let's, let's do it." I was in
1: <laughs> shock. She, goes, I go, oh, yeah. I was like, she said, will you yeah. marry me? Yeah, I go, for <laughs> real, for real? <laughs> like, for <laughs> I don't know why those words came out of. Me. And
2: what, what what was his face like? He's like, huh?
1: He's like, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm asking you. There's the rings here.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's. I know you can't get enough in it. You're like, this care. isn't going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I didn't. For some reason, I wasn't worried about it. She yeah. just said, "Can I pray about it?" And I said, "Cool." And then we went about our evening. It was no big like drama.
1: Yeah, and then, well. The thing was, the reason why it was weird is because we didn't have the actual, like, dating thing, you know, it's like, okay, you meet, you date, now you're a boyfriend and girlfriend, yeah. and everyone knows you're Brad and Danielle, boyfriend and girl. it was none of that, it was like, we were dating and stuff, but we had no official title, we weren't like, and then he suddenly just said it, and I'm like, wait, what's happening and I went, and I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to be influenced by anybody's opinion. And so I just prayed about it for two weeks, and then it's, I, I just knew. And I showed up to his house. He invited me over for dinner, and I said, I he opened the door, and I said, my answer is yes. And he goes, yes to the chicken, not the steak. <laughs> and I went, no, yes, I'll marry you. <laughs> what you say? But but
0: that it, that that conviction I felt was like the leadership only God can give you. So yeah. mm-hmm. So. Uh,
1: but I, it was the first time. There's not. I mean, everyone has a different story. So. His, you know, we knew like within a year, I'm sure if you're on near like eight, it might, maybe it's not the right person, but I don't want to say that because other people have different stories. So, yeah. but, um, just the main thing is just, it was the first time that I felt a peace from God ever with anyone I ever dated or was even interested in and, it was the first time I didn't have to say, Lord, please forgive me a hundred times. And I'm sorry for this. And please change that about him. I wasn't saying any of that. I was just saying, Lord, lead me. me. Okay. First, first some of my parents <laughs> like, but they didn't say that because they didn't want to influence my decision. Yeah. But, but when I did do that prayer time, I always used to do like the journal of checklist, you know, is he check, check, check. I had like a hundred dating books in my house. You know, I was that chick mm-hmm. and, um, <laughs> I didn't do the checklist. I just prayed and, let God talk to me and I had a peace and I just knew, you know, and I could have easily gone the other way. In other words, if God said he wasn't the one I would have just known because it was God was telling me, you know, and he told me he's it's, the one.
2: It's the peace of God. So like yeah. here you are, like technically you're in this crazy place in your life because like he was saying, there's a lot of yeah. things that are happening, but then mm-hmm. God's peace comes in in the middle of the storm. Yeah. And you get that clarity. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I do tell a lot of people because they go, well, anything in life, like, well, should I go move to New York? Or there's the school that you know I'm going to offer to go to or you know, join this band or, or be a pastor, whatever it is. I always tell people, pray and seek the peace of God. Mm-hmm. You
1: have to take the time
2: yeah. and do it. Yeah, you have to have that that piece. Mm-hmm. So we have we do have nine minutes left. So let's let's encourage. I want to talk about your music project though before we yep. before we end it, because I want to end with you guys kind of encouraging people um, on the dating thing and um, just um, the marriage thing, just to encourage people that uh, some some words of advice that mm-hmm. that you've learned and what God's shown you. But you guys did start a band, a worship band. Mm-hmm. and uh, you guys have music. Tell us about that
0: music project mm-hmm. and that band. Well, the cool thing about um, when we got married, Danielle sold her business and started working together with me at our denim business. Yes. and Which is the denim business is called Artisan Cloth, and we're partnered with Karabo, which is one of the most famous Japanese denim manufacturers um, in Japan and China and Thailand, and we also have a partner in Mexico called Tavex, and we supply like... Every cool brand of jeans from mass market and surf and skate to premium boutique. And it's a really fun industry. It's creative, just like music and a lot of cool people. And it's become so now everything we do, our, our denim business, our showroom, our worship, it's all like a ministry. It's yeah. its like we live out loud. We live our faith out loud. We don't preach at people, but we, we don't pretend who we aren't. We we just love God and we we travel around almost every month somewhere else to to lead worship. And um, our first worship concert together, we had like a thousand fashion designers at Angeles mm-hmm. Temple that came and mm-hmm. we told them all like, hey, um, we're gonna be singing about Jesus, but but we're gonna be rocking out too. And, and mm-hmm. they came and, and we told our story and our testimony. And um, that's just kind of how our lives are now. And I feel like mm-hmm. the more we've dedicated our lives to telling our story and and what God's done in our lives and He's doing, mm-hmm. uh, He keeps God keeps blessing our business and expanding our music ministry and we're building bridges all over the place and uh, we just want to like continue to to share and and mm-hmm. because I was the guy. That needed to hear about a guy like me, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like I needed to know you can, you can have tattoos or have done this and that and that. Mm-hmm. And and if you're still breathing, man, there's a chance. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. hope for you. Yeah.
1: So now we're going to churches and we're, we're either, we did come out with a song. And we are either singing that song at their church or doing like a worship night. And our business has been able to fund a lot of that. So that's what we know. You know, God is really working on through the church. We try to be. A yeah, blessing. we're trying to be a blessing. And, you know, we're singing Sunday mornings and stuff like that. And um, so we're trying to, like, combine everything to be our ministry. And I just wanted to say one comment, like to go back to the relationship of us together Is that is a huge reason why I knew he was the one because I knew I know that God doesn't just want love for us. He does want us to be happy, but he wants to use us. That's the main thing. Use us for his kingdom. And so when I knew that I can be used with him together for the kingdom, I'm like, this has to be the one because my life isn't about just having a family, getting a house and having kids. My life is about a mission for Christ. And why else would God even care who I married unless he's going to use me, you know, like that? So that's what we do. Everything that we're doing is trying to somehow involve our entire life in promoting the kingdom. So, but not in a
0: religious way, you know, right. just whether we go to the horse ranch or we're in Canada singing worship or at our denim showroom. We're just like loving on people, and and if they ask us about something, we'll talk about the Lord, or we'll invite them to church, or we'll mm-hmm. share a song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so Lord of All's our new song. Yep. We released a song last year called "Would You Believe," and um, it's a cool story as far as music business goes. Yeah, um, tell, we have five minutes, ago, so okay. go ahead. When I was when I was young and went to MI and all that, and living in Hollywood, I was chasing the dream of music and it was all kind of a selfish pursuit. It was about me. What can I get? What kind of money? What kind of fame? What kind of woman? Um, and it was dead end street after dead end street. And I didn't really necessarily know why I just thought maybe I'm stupid or not good enough or whatever. But the, um, through the whole process of redemption and learning to use my passion for music and, and business, um, to indirectly or directly glorify God um, with a palms down approach like what can I give what can I serve who can I bless mm-hmm. um, we've we've received so much more opportunity and uh, creative insight collaboration um, invitations to to collaborate with people that I've admired my whole life musicians and mm-hmm. I was just open doors mm-hmm. that that I feel like uh, the, the lesson I learned in that was like, you know, you say it sounds corny. Put put God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God, but it's really true. And uh, what can I give? Um, and yeah, I mean, we've we've just we're just having a great time. I I just read uh, I read this devotion today. It's from
2: Maxwell uh, Maxwell Leadership Bible. Um, he was just talking about you know the commitment of a leader. It says the key is commitment. Once a leader de- uh, definitely commits, God moves in all manners of unforeseen incidents, meetings, personals, material assistance, and he begins to stream forth mm-hmm. just as you commit to Lord. There's more to, I can't read it all, but basically as a leader and we're all called to be leaders as we commit our ways to the Lord and what he's called us to do, he starts opening the doors mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. like you were just saying, like with different meetings with the collaborations and mm-hmm. he's providing financially your, your business and all these cool things. And, I'm going am a test up I'm a testimony of that same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I came from the skateboard industry and I'm like, God, what do you want to do with my life? And I just committed my life. I know that I had a story and I knew just like you said, if someone could hear my story that's in my same situation, I know it can do something. So I'm like, God, here I am. Let's go. And whatever that looks like, and I just committed my life to him. And it wasn't like I'm going to commit my life to branding or music. I'm just like I'm going to commit my life to you. Yeah. And then he just starts bringing you the desires of your heart it's hard he brought, to do though it's hard to let go of you oh it's ho- it's mm-hmm. the gnarliest thing to do is to deny self yeah and pick up your cross but then when you do that god starts he bless you he brought your wife mm-hmm. your business yeah. he brought you back into music mm-hmm. um just so many amazing things but anyone that's listening you can do this you just got to give your life to jesus christ Amen. do it tonight if you're driving in your car, you're at home, maybe you're watching this on a past YouTube channel. Just, uh, just say, Jesus, forgive me for all my sins and come into my life. I surrender my life. Get a Bible, get plugged into a church that teaches the Bible, mm-hmm. and just start listening to God. Like Brad said, he was sitting in church and he felt like the, everyone disappeared and it was just God's voice speaking through the pastor, through the scriptures, and answering uh, questions in his heart and his mind. And that's the way God does. He's alive. He's alive and he's everywhere. He created you for a plan and a purpose. He created you for a destiny. And it's never too late to give your life to Jesus.
0: We have about one minute left. Any last words? I just want to share one thing that's stirring in me right now. Um, I don't know if you have a favorite scripture, but uh, for some reason, and I'm not even this guy, but Luke nine sixty two is a verse I wanted to share. And. The reason is uh, it says anyone with their hand to the plow who looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. So what that means to me is moving forward. Whatever the past is, it's the past, and we're here to, to move ahead. So I would just encourage anybody listening to to drop the junk and move forward. Mm-hmm. Move forward. We're not going
2: backwards, so we don't have to look that way. We need to press on. When Paul talks about the um the spiritual armor, the sword of the flesh, or the sword of the flesh, the sword of the spirit, <laughs> the breastplate, the helmet— if you look at that whole kit he has, there's nothing protecting his back. Everything is protecting the f- the, the, the front side because right. he's moving forward. Mm-hmm. We war. We're taking the land. We're moving forward. Our we're not looking back. back, back. Here. Mm-hmm. The enemy is the one that brings up the past. Yep. We love you guys. And we will uh, next week we got a sick show. Peace. Mm-hmm.
0: This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese.
1: Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too?